0: is my fight. pastors, God, youth pastor, Lord, I'm just praying, God, that you would be with each one today, Lord, that you would speak into them and in their ministries, Lord, I pray for anyone here, God, that doesn't know you, God, I pray that today before they leave, Lord, that they would ask you into their heart, God, I thank you for that lion, Lord, that you put into us, God, that we can speak up for you. Thank you for the blessings that you pour out on this church. I thank you, and for the ones that you're going to be pouring out. God, praise your holy name. We worship you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Darkness covered the land. This is going to get real serious, real quick. This morning, uh, I know we we're t- we talked about Palm Sunday, and that's what today is. But I'm going to take us to Friday in this message this morning, take us to Friday, Good Friday, and and talk about what exactly happened to our Lord. And I I know we know the story, but sometimes it's good to remember some details about it and remember some things that happened as we push towards Easter Sunday and celebrate the resurrection. Let's go to Mark chapter 15 this morning. Mark chapter 15 this morning. Verses 20 through 41. I know it's a lot, and I'm going to be in a different version than I usually read out of. Uh, CSB, Christian Standard Bible, Mark 15:20 through 41. And I've got a lot I want to cover, so but also love to worship the Lord. So it's going to all tie together. Mark fifteen twenty through forty one says: After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. And when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you abandoned Or yours may say, forsaken me. Why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, see, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink, and said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who was standing opposite him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. All right. I know that was a lot, but it needs to be thought about, pondered, checked into. We're going to look at that this morning. But the first thing I want to tell you guys this morning is Jesus' death has meant more than any other person's death in history. It, it was, it's a turning point in the story of humanity. And it was on this night, this, this day, this Good Friday, that the perfect, sinless Son of God died to pay the cost for all of our sins. Amen. All of us. On Good Friday, Jesus died to set men and women free from their sin. I'm so thankful for that. Each of us in here ought to be thankful that God took our sins and Jesus took that upon himself and he forgives us of those things that we've done wrong against God. The one who had done no wrong died so those who had done wrong might live. He did that for us. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I know this is Palm Sunday morning about the gravity of what was happening on what we knew About Good Friday and what we know is Good Friday for so many years the church we've celebrated Good Friday as a uh, somber reflection of Jesus's death But today We're not talking about the hope of the resurrection. That's next week We're going to talk about the terrible Terrible cost Jesus paid for the forgiveness of sin We're going to reflect and meditate on the death of Jesus this morning and I want to look at the cost of it. I want to look at the cost of it. His death was painful. It was painful. What he did for us and went through was painful. Physically, it hurt. And we're going to reflect on that this morning, that, that the pain that he bore. Physically painful. His back was terribly broken and, and, and marked by the cat of nine tails we wielded in these expert hands who brought punishment to people. His back was ripped open and tore apart. Rough, murderous hands pushed a crown of thorns down into his head. Bloodied hands held down Jesus' feet and his wrists and spikes were driven into him. And at every different point of this process, he felt all of this pain. For me. For you. He felt it. And although he was offered a bitter wine to help cut the pain, he refused it. He knew what he had to do. And it, was, it wasn't just, all this pain wasn't just collateral damage for him. The pain in his head, his, his back, his feet, his hands, it all had a purpose. It had a purpose behind it. And in ways beyond our comprehension, Jesus' pain satisfied the Father's wrath against our sin. And we, I just feel like we forget that sometimes, that God's wrath was poured out on his own son. If you're a parent in here, you would do whatever you could to make sure your kids were okay. You would take the place of them, but here is God, the father pouring out his wrath on his son because he loves us that much. Physically Painful. His crucifixion was also emotionally painful. Can you imagine what Jesus was feeling as his mother and his family looked upon his naked, broken body? What they're feeling inside and how crushed they are? And the pain that he's feeling? He had wept over the sin of Jerusalem. He had wept uh, right before this. He was praying. Sweating and drops of blood. Praying about this. And now he felt the weight of the sin of the world on him while he was on the cross. And this, has to ha- this, this would have caused emotional pain for the one who was there when it all started. He was there. And he also, not, not just physical, not just emotional, but there was spiritual pain for Jesus. And he quotes the prophetic. Everybody know what prophetic is? It's accurately describing or predicting what will happen in the future. He's quoting something from Psalm 22 as he's saying these things from the cross. What, go to Psalm 22, 1 through 18. Jesus is saying these things which were already prophesied back in Psalm. Psalm 22, 1 through 18 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy and on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and, and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay far from me, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sunbaked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs, and evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. All prophesied back in Psalm and now coming to pass right here with Jesus on the cross. And not only does Psalm predict the activities that are surrounding Jesus' death, but they serve as a background for the spiritual pain that Jesus experienced for us. At, At this precise moment, When he's talking about, why have you abandoned me? At this precise moment, Jesus experienced something he had never, ever felt before. Ever. Spiritual pain right here. He was separated from his father. Spiritual pain of being separated from his father. The orphan cry of Jesus right here. In that moment, The weight of sin, the judgment and wrath came upon him and it overwhelmed him. And the apostle Paul described it this way. Second Corinthians 521, he said, for God made Christ who never sinned. This man was innocent, perfect, never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He knew no sin, did nothing wrong. But he was the offering for our sin so I could be made right with God. So you could be made right with God. And this orphan cry of Jesus, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Was the ultimate form of suffering that Jesus experienced right here. You know, the physical pain, he went through it. He bore it. The emotional pain, although real, he could endure it. He was enduring it. But the separation that he experienced from his father for that brief moment was the worst kind of agony for him. Like even my father, even my father right now in this moment has abandoned me. And again, that was not this agony that he went through, that he bore. It was not for his sake, it was for ours. And that leads to this, this, the second thing that I want to look at this morning, that, that Jesus' death was a substitute for us. His death was a substitute for us. He took Rick's place. He took Aaron's place. He was the substitute for us. Every single one of us in this room, everybody on this earth, he was a substitute for us. He experienced the fullness of God's wrath on my behalf. This cross that he was on should have been my cross. Should have been your cross. His pain should have been my pain. His separation from the Father should have been our separation from the Father. And this is is made clear to us in Jesus' acceptance of the third cross. And I say third cross, let's look at this. The event of Jesus' trial and his crucifixion happened quickly, right? Right? how quick they turned on him, how quick this all happened. The Romans didn't have time to prepare a cross specifically for Jesus. That means the cross Jesus bore was originally built for somebody else. This all happened quickly, instantly. And that person was named who? Who'd he exchange? Who'd they exchange? Give us Barabbas. He was supposed to die. And he was a murderer, he was a rebel. But he was set free instead, and Jesus took his place. And he died among two other criminals on a cross that was built for someone else. Now, I know he knew he was going to it, and he knew it was going to happen. This was God's plan. But his death, the death Jesus died was not for himself, but it was for all of us. All of us. He died for the Roman soldier that was piercing his side. He died for the innocent bystander who was watching their very first execution, crucifixion. Died for that person. Died for the mother in the crowd who was weeping at the carnage and, and the brutality of what was happen, happening. He died for the disciple who was in hiding. He died for me, he died for you, and every person that was ever born, Jesus did this for us. It was a substitution in a place for every single person then and every single person now. And his death was also misunderstood if you read this. Many of the statements made in this passage demonstrate that those watching had no clue what they were actually witnessing. Twice Jesus was offered sour wine. The first time was an act of mercy to kind of numb the pain before the nails were driven into his wrists and ankles. The second time was in mockery, attempting to prolong Jesus' life to give the prophet Elijah time to come help him and get him down. And this last time, when they offered it, John tells us, if you go to John, we're not there, I'm not going to have it on the screen, but if you go to John 19, 29, it says that they put the sponge on a piece of hyssop. Okay? Hyssop was a type of plant or shrub. And what they're misunderstanding here was the hyssop was the plant used if you go all the way back, hyssop was the plant used to spread the blood of the Passover lamb upon the doorposts of the houses to protect themselves against the destroying death angel. It was a cleansing herb in Bible times. Psalm 51.7 says, Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. What they don't get, and what we miss sometimes in this, is they're offering, you know, as, as this covered, the hyssop branch with the blood on it covered, the doorpost, so people were safe and delivered and, and the death angel wouldn't come. They don't understand as they're offering this to him on this sponge that that very same plant was actually, you know, as, 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 as it was a cleansing herb, it was a pure herb in the Bible times. But now Jesus, they're offering him the sponge with a soured wine on a hyssop branch. But now he is the one that's going to deliver people from death where they can have eternal life. So, what the world, what they intended for mockery, Jesus intended to be the fulfillment of prophecy. The priests and the crowds misunderstood that Jesus wanted to be on the cross, he was was in obedience to his father. That was the plan. And yet many of them are taunting taunting Jesus, saying, if you are who you say you are, then save yourself and get down from there. He knew he had to be there. His purpose on the cross wasn't to save his life, but it was to save ours. And, And as you look at verses 29 through 32, when we read in the beginning, the priests and the crowds could not comprehend that death on the cross was actually his purpose. That's part of God's plan. They assume that the primary objective, primary objective of Jesus would, would be to save his own life. If you are who you say you are, then save your own life. But he knew that he had to go through with this to save mankind. And we need that reminder that the cross was God's plan. This was all God's plan set into motion. And, and we also misunderstand the cross when, when we attribute it to Satan and not to God. This was God's doing. This was God's plan. To redeem the world through the death of the perfect son of God. Satan's not smart enough to orchestrate this. He's he's a defeated enemy. He's an idiot. And some of you need to remember that he's defeated. Don't let him get into your mind. Don't let him speak things into you. God orchestrated this. God knew what he was doing. God is the source of the cross, for He is the source of salvation. He's the source of resurrection. He's the source of our deliverance from sin. I don't have to walk around like I used to in sin and doing things opposite and contrary to God anymore, because when I believed on Jesus and believed that He is who He said He is, then I was transformed into a new creation in Him. So the old rick is gone, and the new rick is here, and this new rick has freedom from the sin of my past. I don't have to do that anymore. God has something better for me. Jesus' death has also been proven. The evidence of Christ's death is greater than that for almost any other event in the world. The testimony of Mark includes several witnesses of Jesus' death in his text. And the first thing we can look at is we have the witness of nature. We have the witness of nature. At the death of Jesus, an eclipse and darkness came upon the land in the middle of the day. Matthew says at that moment of Jesus' death, the sun became dark, the earthquake, the rock split, and the tombs of the saints were open, and they walked among the people of Jerusalem. And it's appropriate for nature to testify of Jesus' death for this to be seen since all of creation is awaiting the redemption of the world. Romans 8, 23 says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Hallelujah. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We are all waiting on that with hope. And second, we have the witness of the temple at the death of Jesus. The curtain or veil of the temple was torn, not where anybody could have done it. It was torn from top to bottom. And there were two important curtains in the temple at that time. The most important was the curtain that separated the world from the Holy of Holies, the place God's Spirit dwelled. Only the high priest could enter here, and that was only one day a year. Day of Atonement. The other curtain was a large curtain that stood between the court of Israel and the court of women. This curtain determined who could get close to God. Man, I'm so glad we don't have these curtains. I can get close to God anytime I want to. You can as well. We should take advantage of that. It was the curtain entering the Holy of Holies that was torn, demonstrating that Jesus' death had made the presence of God accessible to everyone, not just the high priest. For in the last days, Joel said, God would pour out his spirit on all people, all people, all flesh. And the tearing in two of the veil was so that something could be witnessed. The very temple that the priests rejected Jesus as their Messiah testified of Jesus' death now in divine nature. Another witness to Jesus' death was a crowd of women. If you look, we're not going to go there again. Luke 23, it talks about this, 55-56. These women were disciples, for they had followed Jesus. Because of the day and time, they had to keep a distance But they were fully devoted to Jesus, just as the men were. While all the disciples except John were absent from the witness of Jesus' death, these women were there. And not only were they there, their bravery was preserved as Mark includes the names of Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and James and John's mother. And it would also be these very women next week that we talk about that did what? The first to know of his resurrection. He is not there anymore. They witnessed that these women saw the pain and they heard the cries of Jesus's death And the final witness that I want to talk about this morning to this that this happened we know mark 15 39 as we read when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died he exclaimed this man truly was the Son of God so so two things here with this the centurion he already knew death and he knew it well, right? He's been a part of these things. He was familiar with pain and he was familiar with death and how this all worked on these crucifixions. He knew the sounds. He knew the twitches people would make. He knew the gasps that would happen preceding death. He'd seen all of this. He knew death. He saw death come upon Jesus's body and other gospels write that, that he stuck a spear into Jesus's side to confirm the death. And thousands of people who have been crucified by the Romans, no one was ever recorded surviving. Okay? The most important declaration in Mark is given by this centurion. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. Other people that had hinted about it. Peter called Jesus the Messiah. John the Baptist declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. And Mark, the first person to declare who Jesus fully was, was a bloody, dirty, cursing Gentile soldier who worked for most the most hated empire of that day. He was the one that said, surely he is the Son of God. He was a witness to it. And out of the mouth of a Gentile, the reality of the Son of God is proclaimed and is known. So this morning, I want us to pretend it's Good Friday. It's a time to reflect upon what Jesus experienced on that cross of Calvary. when darkness covered the whole world. And this morning as, as, as we just try to recreate the darkness that covered the world, I want us to just take a moment as we look upon that cross to remember what Jesus did. And to understand this morning that if you are far from God, I want you to take a moment and think about what Jesus did for you. You may be here this morning and and you don't even know Jesus as your Savior. I want you to take a moment and think about the things I have said this morning from the scripture, from God's word about what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And this morning I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a little bit. You know, if that's you this morning that you're far from, from, from God you don't know Jesus as your Savior I'm going to ask you and give you the opportunity in a little bit to confess your sin and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Because as you've been walking around this earth right now you might have made a mess of your life. You may be walking in here today without any hope at all for the future. But I'm here to tell you this morning if you walked in not knowing Jesus as your Savior, you can walk out of here with hope. You can walk out of here different this morning than what you came in because Jesus. Loves you, And God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, to forgive you of your sins. And he, he didn't stay dead, as we're going to celebrate next Sunday. He defeated death in the grave, and he rose again. And that's what we stand on as believers. That Jesus defeated death. He didn't stay dead. He rose up out of that grave and was resurrected. And now we have hope, as we believe on Jesus, that one day we are going to be with him in heaven that is our hope and you can have that hope this morning for believers this morning <clears throat> i want you to also be reflecting on jesus sacrifice for us so just for just for just a few more seconds think about as you look at that cross that we've lit up nothing else in this room is lit up except the cross think about the cross think about what jesus did what he went through What God's plan was to know that was all for you. Make it individually. Make it personal. It was for you. Remember that this morning. I'm praying right now, Spirit of God, make yourself real to every single soul in here this morning. Make yourself real to us. Father, make yourself real in our hearts. Holy Spirit, pull people back to you, to Jesus. Pull them back to Jesus this morning. Let us remember. Let us remember what happened on that Friday. Let us remember darkness covered the earth. And you did it all for us. If if this morning you're thinking about this and Jesus' death is not real to you, then neither will be his resurrection that we celebrate next Sunday. But if you're in here this morning and you're saying, This this is real, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, then I'm going to have you come in just a minute and I'm going to have you pray to believe on Jesus to come into your heart and you're going to confess it with your mouth that he is Lord of your life. You're going to surrender your life to him this morning and be changed and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with a hope. A hope for your life. If you guys would stand this morning. Our praise team would come back up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Church, if you just begin to pray right now, just begin to pray for those in in here this morning with us, those watching online that do not know Jesus as their Savior. Or maybe they've walked away from him. And this morning, the Holy Spirit has spoke into their heart to let them know that they are loved. To let them know that what Jesus went through was for them. Just pray that they would come to know him this morning. They would come back to him if they'd wandered away. Just pray church. Let's intercede on behalf of these people right now. Lord right now Father we just praise you. We thank you Father. Lord we thank you as we take a moment to think about what you did. What you willingly did on that cross of Calvary. To take my sins. To take our sins father every single person in here can plug in whatever in their life of where they were walking where they were going in life and how what they were doing wasn't amounting to anything father and they have an emptiness inside them this morning father that emptiness that yearning can only be filled by one person and that is you that is your holy spirit inside of us so god as we're praying this morning When we open up these altars, I pray, Father, that they would come. They would respond to this message, your message, God, of the gospel of Jesus. They would respond and come and open up their hearts to you today. And, Lord, they would know that they are a new creation in you. Things don't have to stay the same. There is hope found in Jesus. If anybody needs healing, God, they need to come back to you, whatever it is, mental, spiritual, physical. Lord, I pray that come and respond to your presence in this room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to pray and worship. Thank you for who you are. Lord Jesus, I take you. I thank you for taking a sinner like Rick Hayes who grew up in church his whole life, Father, but never understood what you truly did for me until later in life. Lord, I thank you for protecting me and keeping me from harm so that I can come into relationship with you, God. I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Through your son Jesus, I thank you for every stripe upon his back father was for me but was for us in here god and i pray that we don't forget that father i pray that as we come into your house as we commune with you through the week as we talk with you god we understand the sacrifice that was given on our behalf we understand that he was beaten and bloodied and bruised and ripped apart and shamed and spit upon father somebody that did nothing wrong that was completely innocent did that for me did it for us. And God, that we would understand that is love, that is sacrificial love that puts us before him, that puts God's plan before his own desires. Father, I, I thank you that he willingly did this for us. And God, I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to spend eternity in hell because of what Jesus did for me through the cross and resurrection, that I am am guaranteed a place in heaven where I'm going to see my son again. I'm going to see my mom again. I'm going to see loved ones again that believed on you as well, Father. Lord, let my life be poured out to you. Let every single minute of every day be completely surrendered to your will and what you would have me to do, God. Let nothing hold me back nothing hold me back from being with you, being in your presence and leading others to you. God, I praise you today. I worship you. I worship you as my Savior that created something new inside of a kid that was depressed and suicidal and didn't know where to go in life, that you took me out of that, Father, and you set my feet on solid ground, and you poured into me, you put purpose into my life, you created value in my life that's found in you, and you led me down the path to ministry, God. Lord, I praise you, and I thank you for that, for turning my life around, for being the change in my life, and so many other people, Father. let worship you this morning, and thank you for that. Praise you for that, Lord. As we go away this week, let us do our best, Father, for you to reach, teach, and serve. To go out and invite people to come next week to hear about how you defeated death, that it could not hold you, and because of that, we have such a hope in you today, and a hope for eternity. That this world is not our home. This messed up, crazy world is not where we're going to spend eternity. We're going to spend it with you as sons and daughters to the king. Praise your name and worship you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Remember to invite some people. Please bring at least one person next week. You are not dismissed. You are...